0: Love to see you all here. Love that you're so friendly that I have to, like, talk over you. That's a great problem uh, this morning at New Life Manitou. So I'll be reading our scripture reading this morning. It is, uh, if you will stand for our gospel reading today, it is Mark 8, 34 through 38, and 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 starting in Mark 8. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in an exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, whoa the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes to the when he comes in his father's glory and the holy angels and then going down to 2 Timothy 3 but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we see these words, they're hard words, they're words of warning, and Lord, we, we do take heed, we take these things seriously. Lord, would you open my mouth, would you uh, open up the the word to us this morning so that we may hear, we may see you, Jesus, and what you're asking us and calling us to do into your discipleship, into worshiping you, connecting and serving. Lord, we pray these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated thanks for being here this morning. I want to start off serious sometimes that we start off a sermon and there 's like a little song, a little dance, not literally, never literally, but we go into stories and and but i this text that we 're preaching on and the sermon subject this morning about giving and then the other side of that the greediness is quite serious, and so that 's what we 're talking about this morning giving. We're going to talk about money, but the caveat here is that it's much bigger than just money. Uh, The Bible talks about giving 2,000 times. Jesus surely did not shy away from it. But we're talking more about uh, generosity in life, in our time, with ourselves. And we will, of course, talk a lot about money. But the much bigger issue is the issue of the heart thank you it 's the issue of the heart, so it 's not too late to leave. you know you could always pretend like you 're going to the bathroom and they just never come back. You could take the more holy approach and say, "I need to get my Bible and you leave, and you never come back. You could go into a sneezing fit, like, I need some tissues, I need to go, and you could never come back, or I like this one. you could say, this is good, the pastor's really good. I need to go get my notebook and never come back again, uh, but don 't do that don 't do that. stay to the end. The big point here is that we are called to give because the Lord has given to us. And at the end, there's always, well, we, we've never not done communion on a Sunday morning. And up here, we will celebrate. We will celebrate and remember that Christ gave us and we receive from him. And it's only because of that, that we have received, that we can then be givers. So don't leave early, stick to the end, hear this message all the way out. But it has, um, it has quite an application for our day and age. I have some stats for some of you that like stats. I like stats. Uh, here's some numbers. This came out just December 3rd, 2019. There was a lot of articles uh, going into Christmas, and so there's, you know, festivity kinds of writings and, like, generosity, like, how are Americans doing with giving and going into the holidays? We must be doing so great, Right? Wrong, Like, we are not very good at giving. We're probably uh, very wealthy compared to the rest of the world. We're probably very wealthy compared to the rest of the history of the world. And yet, here's some stats for you, those of you that like stats, that only 45% of Americans, according to this study by the New York Times, December 3rd, 2019, you could look it up later, uh, 45% of all Americans do not give even a dollar in a calendar year. You know, like, can you, you want to round this up for this charity and this year change? You're like, yeah, I guess I could do that as long as it's not more than a dollar. And as long as a dollar doesn't, you know, get more than a dollar in a year, 45% of Americans do not give so much as a dollar. 75% of Americans in a calendar year do not volunteer anywhere, not even one minute, not at church, not at a charity, not at a library, nothing. They don't, 45, excuse me, 75% of Americans don't volunteer anywhere. And then let's get into the Christians. 80% of people that say they're Christians and they go to church, 80% do not give anything to their church in a calendar year. And it's usually somewhere, every congregation is different, but the average congregation, somewhere around just 10%, sometimes it's a little higher, but around 10% of the people that regularly attend, like we don't really talk about membership, we talk about coming regularly. So if you come regularly to a congregation in America, on average, only 10% of those people give 10% or a tithe to their place of worship. I remember thinking about... um, tithe years ago. A tithe is, if you don't know, it's an Old Testament law uh, in, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, There's the that's the law. And in the law, it's spelled out to give a 10% of what you bring in, and in, in those days it was a harvest, 10%, to the place of worship, to the temple. And a lot of people say, well, in Christianity today, isn't that just the old you know way of doing things? Isn't a tithe just part of the old law? And I remember making that kind of uh, assumption and in my days of uh, uh, as a young man. I was in college, my first or second year of college. I remember just not being just kind of stingy with my money, not wanting to give, and my, my parents took care of everything. My mom's here, dad's downstairs. They took care of my college, they took care of the bills, the Reuben board, and I had some part-time jobs just for some fun money, some walking around money. I had this job where I cleaned a house. It was pretty easy money in the late 90s. I got 40 bucks for, for like two hours of work. It was awesome. Awesome. It was a lot of money for me back then. And, and I just thought, wow, this is great. I got 40 bucks. And then it kind of hit me that maybe I should be tithing on this, which if you if you do the math, 10% of 40 bucks is for It's just four bucks. And I was like, man, this is like a trip out to Wendy's. Like, this is, uh, this is a Starbucks drink. Like, I, four bucks. This is my spending money. This is my fun money. And I remember, like, kind of having a conversation with my, uh, <laughs> my youth pastor, and he just listened. He was the best best youth pastor because he didn't judge me. He didn't shame me. He just kind of listened to me as I got more and more and more rope to hang myself with. Because I was going on and not about how I, oh you know it's you know it's just money it's just four dollars and I, in the midst of this conversation i remember it just hit me like i need to give i'm i'm being stingy I need to give. So I made a decision, like my first second year of college, I am going to tithe. And at that point, I would literally come to church with a check for $4 on it. And I just wonder, like, the people processing this are like, this is going to cost more than $4 to just process this check. Who is this kid messing everything up? But in my mind, it was like, I'm going to start giving, and I'm going to give a tithe. And I've done that since those days. And so I'm much older now. It's been like 20, 25 years, and I've been tithing ever since then. It was It was a decision I made many, many years ago. But let me talk a little bit about this tithe. Giving to the church, it's not a tip. You know, if if, if I'm preaching well, uh, it's not like, hey, you should put in more next week. He's pretty good. You know, give him an extra buck. It's not a tip. It is certainly not a tax. It's not a personal uh, investment. Sometimes people get this idea, it's like, oh, if I bring to the Lord this amount of money, well, then he better return that amount of money plus some Specifically, when it comes to finances, and, and that's just not the case. We are promised blessing, but it does not have to come in financial form, and so don't get that into your head. It's not a country club enrollment fee. Uh, it's not a membership dues. It's not an HOA fee. Uh, tithing, giving to the Lord is an act of worship. It is. We believe that. It's sacrificial giving. It's a matter of the heart and it's it's something that has blessed me. It's something that it's just wonderful to give, to be generous. I've never heard of an argument where someone Um, is arguing against uh, a 10% because they want to give more. I mean, imagine someone like, yeah, you know, we've been praying, we really want to give 15%, but the rule is 10, and we don't want to break God's rules. Get out of here. Like, I've never heard that. In my mind, it's always, and as as a kid, uh, as a young man, I guess I should say, going through with my youth pastor, it was really, I didn't want to give a 10% because I didn't want to give a 10%, and I was kind of using this, oh, it's an old law legal system I don't we're not bound to the law therefore I don't have to give and yet as I've grown I think the Lord calls us to I could say it like this I've heard it said like this a tithe should just be training wheels a tithe is just if you're going to be generous in your life well then a tithe should just be you know the first part of that and it should be something that is just part of the what you do in a day-to-day life in a week-to-week life so this sermon here I I know I always have, how many points do I always have? This one is two points. I know it's going to mess with you. It's just, once again, it's not too late to leave. You can go get your notebook. And never come back. Uh, Two two sides of this sermon. Like a two-sided coin, this sermon is two-sided. The first side is an ugly side, a tarnished side, a black side. And the second side that we'll get to is a beautiful side, the side of generosity. The first side is this. We could put the point on the board. Uh, It's greed is horribly Ugly. The first side of this sermon, if we're talking about the sides of a coin, is that greed is horribly ugly the the old english word avarice have you heard that word before like it's a it's a monster of of material gains and wants and possessions and it's one of the seven deadly sins do you know about the seven deadly sins i remember researching them assuming that they were in the bible like you could flip to i don't know hezekiah chapter two and find the seven deadly sins and are they in there No, they're not in there, but they are a long church tradition of these sins that are particularly good, I guess, in a way of grabbing us and pulling us away from the Lord and his ways. And so one of the seven deadly sins is, of course, greed. I have three audience participation things. Some of you are going to cringe, but it might be kind of fun. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see if we ever do this again. But I want you to, usually we don't have you yell out things in church, but I want you, I think you all kind of know, you know what greed is, but what is a good definition for greed, a synonym for greed? This side. Anybody want to yell something? Stinginess. What else? Selfish. Selfishness. Let's try over here. Come <laughs> on. We got you. What would you say, Roxanne?
0: Taekwondo.
1: A Terry, coming through. Thank you. Anything else? Anybody? We know what greed is, right? Anything? Nobody? This is your opportunity to yell out in church. Scrooge, Scrooge miser. Okay, good. We're getting some good words here. I wrote down uh, just wanting more. Always more, more, like I have this image in my head of like a greedy person with a Ferrari and they're like, forget that, I need 10 Ferraris. And they're like, oh, that's an image of greed. But really, if we're honest with ourselves, greed is just wanting a little bit more. In fact, uh, a guy who lived a little while ago, John D. Rockefeller, have you heard of his name before? One of the richest uh, men in modern history. In fact, I was doing some math uh, yesterday morning, and there's a rich, the richest guy alive today, the founder of Amazon, he's pretty rich, like $100 billion, like even calculating that, like what is like does he go to his bank statement It just says like 100 like what does that mean? Like, wow! Um, this guy, John D. Rockefeller, if you add in, you know, compensate for inflation, John D. Rockefeller would be four times richer than the richest man alive today. And John D. Rockefeller was once asked, how much money, like surely this guy would know, how much money does it take for someone to be satisfied? And John D. Rockefeller famously said, you know how much it takes to satisfy a man? It takes just a little more. Like, oh, isn't that True. Even a guy that's four times richer than the richest man today with inflation would say just a little more. Isn't that in all of us? Just a little more. Contentment and giving are probably the opposite of greed. You think about like defining a word and sometimes it's helpful to talk about opposites. The opposite of greed, one side of it is like a thankful contentment. You're content with what you have and you're thankful to God for that. And the other part of the opposite is then doing something about Well, then giving. That would be an opposite of greed. So let's take these each one by one and talk about contentment. Here's the audience participation. If you want, how many of you would say you either are content or that's something you really strive for to be content in life? Okay, good. Lots of good. Great. Lots of hands. My hand is up as well. Like that's something we are called to be. Thankfully content with what we have. And all of us that just raised our hand, what if an opportunity came for you to get a little more? What wouldn't you? wouldn't you want it? Wouldn't you take, like, yeah, I'm trying to be content, but, I mean, it is a little bit more. Like, you're at a restaurant, for instance. Uh, P.F. Chang's. I love P.F. Chang's. Always get, like, not just one serving of white rice, but two, and the Kung Pao shrimps, and the hot and sour soup, and the appetizer, the, the lettuce wraps. You know what I'm talking about? It's And so you're sitting there after the meal, you're around a table of friends, and you're just like, oh, my stomach hurts. I'm so full. Oh, I could never eat again. And then, what do they wheel by? The dessert. Thing. And the whole table's like, well, I mean, I guess the, we gotta have a little. I mean, it's the great wall of chocolate, right? And we have a joke in our house that however full you are, the ice cream can go and fill in the cracks. <laughs> And it's like, well, yeah, we were just really full. Of, yeah, we were like stuffy or so. We were really full and content. But then an opportunity for a little more comes by. And you just, you have to, you, you pack it in. That's what we do. That's right. Like we want to be content. And then like we we, we aren't. There's this, If an opportunity presents itself, do we see that as greed? Do we not? I don't know. It's 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 a rough sermon. I, I know this. Um, point number two is this, uh, or the the second part of the the thing is this: the um, the giving. We'll get into that in a second. But how many of you would say, uh, audience participation would say, you struggle with greed in some way? By hands up. Anybody else? Okay, lots of hands. They say, yeah, we deal with greed. It's one of those sins that doesn't seem like that big of a deal in our day and age as Americans like just to want more to be greedy and if if we had to raise our hands for other sins like how many of you struggle with lust everybody like dude save that for the men's group like "Come come on not for a Sunday morning but greed is one of those sins. It's like, oh yeah, we're all greedy. It's okay. Who cares? Americans want more. We want bigger. We want better. The grass is always greener on the other side. This idea of selfishness or self-love or treating yourself. these It's just the popular rhetoric of the day. And in fact, I think a lot of this has come into the church. And especially, I just wanted to mention this, with spiritual gifts. I think a lot of us have spiritual gifts, whether it be generosity or hospitality hospitality or things like uh, music. You're, you're gifted uh, in the church with music or you're gifted prophetically and you have words for people that could encourage them and you, we hold back. I know I'm guilty of this too and I don't know if the greed is a part of it but just hold it like we're given gifts and we hold them back and friends that should not be. We should be generous with our giftings, with our money, with our hospitality. Listen to these words. these uh, I won't put it up the, on the board because we uh, We already read it, and I'm just going to jump around a little bit today. But doesn't this sound like America? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, what Joel read, understand this, that in these last days, so you know me, I'm not always preaching about the last days or picking dates or anything like that, but this sounds like us. It sounds like America. In the last days, people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unpleasing slanderous without self-control lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God doesn't that, unfortunately doesn't that sound a lot like the world we live in and Jesus Comes to a crowd and he says this. So, Mark 8 34, we will put this back up. We read it already, but I want to draw your attention to it because he calls a crowd together to him along with the disciples. Everybody's there, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose the life for me, for the gospel will save it. And I read words like that, like whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And I immediately start to think about, well, who, you know, if I'm serving, if I'm giving, I'm being generous, I'm taking up my cross, picking up other people's crosses, who's going to take care of little old me? Like if I'm doing all this giving and I'm out there picking up my cross and denying myself, who's going to take care of Of me, have you ever thought that? Of course, we all think that. Like, if we're going to give and our cup is like about to be empty, and we give some more and we give some more, then who's going to take care of me? Right? We think this. I know I do. Maybe I'm just being honest. And Christ says, "Well, you want to know the answer to that? You want to know who's going to take care of you? It's me, the Lord." He will take care of you. He will fill up your cup. I'm not asking you to give away anything you don't have, but what I'm saying this morning is with our life, and we're talking a little bit about money, we're talking about generosity, we're talking about the ways of life in which we can live, and if we receive from the Lord in such a way that we're always giving, then it's like our cup is overflowing, and it just can't help but to stay with us because the blessing is flowing out of us. I worded it this way just as a quick point, that stinginess is unbelief. Someone said, the shell hammers, the the definition of greediness is just stinginess, like keeping, holding, hoarding what you have. Stinginess is unbelief because it's like, oh, I might need this later. I need to hold on to this. God might not be around and take care of me later, so I need to take care of myself. And No, 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 no. Stinginess is a part of unbelief. Let me conclude this part of the coin, this this dirty side of the coin, the dark uh, um, side of this sermon with this story of the rich young ruler. I won't read it. You can find it. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Many of you know it. I will recap it. But a rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He's rich. He's got it all together. He's young. His life is ahead of him. And he's a ruler. He's got some sort of power. He's, he's, He's wealthy. He's got power, maybe fame. And he comes to Jesus And he basically has this question, like, I've got it all together, right, Jesus? Like, I've got a free ticket here, right? I don't need to do anything else. I've I've obeyed the law. He comes to Jesus. He comes to God himself. And he basically says, I've kept the law, the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments. And then all the rules, all the laws, never broken any of them. And Jesus says, well, first of all, it's like, really? Like, you could go through life and not? mess up at all like this guy's kind of he's he's pretty you know his head is pretty big He's going to Jesus saying, I've got it all figured out. Can't I just have a free ticket? And I imagine if people that knew him would probably say, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good guy. He's, he's a young guy. He's got it all together. Surely if anyone has a free ticket and it can work for their salvation and work it out, this guy can. And what does Jesus tell this young man? He says, well, why don't you, if you really are obeying all of the law, you really have uh, it all together. Why don't you just sell everything and come follow me? it's like wow what a word what a word to tell someone and the guy goes away sad the story kind of ends abruptly he goes away sad he can't give away everything he has and jesus doesn't tell this to everyone jesus doesn't walk around with one message saying sell everything and give it all away. In fact Zacchaeus comes to Jesus full of faith and says uh, Jesus I've actually sold half of everything and I'm, I'm here I'm ready to follow you and Jesus does not say we'll go sell the other half. This was one specific word that he had for this rich young ruler and I almost wonder if it was like something you would say to someone who is maybe like a recovering alcoholic. You To a recovering alcoholic you would say do not even sip alcohol. Don't even look at it. You could say something like, don't even go to a restaurant that has it. Like you would say something really bold because it matches like where they were. Maybe Jesus' word to this young man was because his heart was so dark with greed that he says this uh, hyperbole, just go sell everything you have and follow me because he knew that that got right to the core of what this man was about. And in his heart was some severe greed. It's like telling someone who struggles with gambling addictions, like, don't even own a pack of cards. Like, what's wrong with cards? Well, for you, everything, because of where you've been and what's in your heart, or someone that deeply struggles with pornography, don't even own a computer. What? What's wrong with a computer? Well, for you and your heart, you want to follow Christ, and so this word, this this hyperbolic word is what you need to follow. Let me tell you this point right here. I have it written down is this. The real message of Jesus is shocking and it offers more and it demands more than you can ever imagine we often meet with a fake Jesus. We, we meet with a buddy Jesus. We meet with a Santa Jesus. We meet with a homeboy Jesus. And we've got it all figured out. Like this rich young ruler, I imagine, was going to Jesus to say, Jesus, I've got it all figured out. I'm cool, right? You and I are cool. You're like Santa. You're like a buddy. You're like a homeboy. We're cool, right? And Jesus cuts like into his heart and says something that is that is horribly demanding And horribly shocking, and yet will offer so much more than he could ever. Imagine the real Christianity cuts right to our heart, and Christianity in, in moments like this, and what Jesus is saying, is unlike anything the mind can conceive. A real interaction with Jesus will offer more and demand more than we can ever imagine. So, how do we fight this? This greed, this, this side of this sermon that is dark and ugly and, and yucky and horrible, how can we fight this? I'm glad you asked we can give. Here's the next point. Uh, The other side of the coin is is this. Generosity is a beautiful blessing. That's how we fight greed. If you want to not be greedy, just just start giving, start somewhere. For me, it was starting with $4. And, and it was, it was just a pattern that I started. And generosity is a blessing. It's a beautiful blessing. You ever been around someone that's just generous or does something generous that like changes the course of your life? Like, wow, this is this is awesome. I have a little example for you, but for us in our household, it was it was quite something. So years ago, uh we were just at the Grothys house. Uh Daniel, Lisa Grothy, they ha- have little kids. Uh Wilson is It's just a little older than Jay, so they all looked up to Wilson, and we were over there for lunch, and as we left, uh, at at that point, they had this little tradition that they, uh, Wilson, was uh, required to give away a toy to whoever visited. So if, if kids came to visit, his dad, Daniel, who's a pastor on staff with New Life North on Friday night, would have little Wilson give away something. I remember the conversation. Uh, Daniel said to little Wilson, give him one of your toys. I know it's gonna be hard, but don't give him a junk toy. Give him a good one. And and Wilson actually, with a smile, like this was already a part of what they did, with a smile, went and got a really nice toy, a little green metal nice little airplane and he gave it to Jay and the the rest of the kids were there so it was like wow cool Wilson gave us a toy dad this is so awesome this is so cool and they already looked up to Wilson because he's a little older he's like an older brother kind of kid and it was just like wow this is so cool dad Wilson gave us this and then like as as time progressed we would just say you know who's your friends who's your best friend and Jay would always say Wilson, Wilson's my best friend. And Rowan was younger than Jay, just barely talked. But the answer to the question, who is your best friend, was always... Wilson, so even Rowan, like he, I don't think he could pick Wilson out of a lineup of kids, uh, would say, Who's your best friend? Oh, Wilson. Why? Well, because he gave us that toy. He really likes us, Dad. He he, he gave us that really, really nice toy. And it became like legendary in our house. And so much so that I was at my uh, friend, Bobby Nicholas's house the other day, and he says, I think I'm going to start that tradition that the Grothies do with my son in giving away toys. And I just thought, wow, what a a legend. It's just a small, little thing uh, one day like a Friday afternoon of lunch and going home and getting a little toy but it's become a legendary thing generosity is a blessing summary point for for the board if you're writing things down the greedy always want more but the godly love to give and are blessed by it the greedy always want more but the godly love to give and are blessed by it Think about this. This isn't an audience participation thing. Just, just you and the Lord. Think about this week and um, from last Sunday till now and think about your own generosity. Did, did you give this week? And if, if you did, um, I imagine you're not regretting it, right? Like if there, there's, if you look back in your last week and say, oh, I gave some time here. gave some money here. I did this here. I served in this way. You don't regret that. There's there's a blessing that comes with being generous. And for some of you, you just need like a practical. Like uh, you, you leave church and you're just like, well, what can I do this afternoon? What, what, what can I do? I, I want to lean into this message of generosity. Let me give you something really easy to do. And that's something, uh, a, a giving of just like skimming off the excess of our life. I think we all, as Americans, myself included, we. we that we get things and we kind of keep them and the, the idea is I might need this later and then you get two of them and you I might need two of these later and then you get a storage unit for all the the doubles of things that you have that you might need and you really, you might need it's been five years since you used any of them but you might need it someday right and I think there's a there's an amassing of, of wealth. You could call it hoarding, and, but that's like a little much because there's this show out called Hoarders. Uh, it aired a while ago, and it's just like houses full of stuff. It's like, wow, that guy's got a problem. This is serious. But I think that's, there's something about that in all of us, like to, that we might need this later, and we don't want to give it away. But really, there's people in need all around us. Think about like kids moving out for college. They need, they need sets of things. They need, all, they need a kitchen, or there's unfortunate circumstances. Is where a couple will split and they had a set of things, but now they're apart and there's needs among us. And so, all I'm encouraging to do, if you're in here and you're like, well, what's an easy practical step? I would say, well, just skim off the top of your excess, get them some things together and give them to someone who might be in need. God is a generous God, and God gives to us, and we have. All of us are called to give. No one is off the hook here because God is a generous giver. I have a a psalm that I want to read, and then we'll stand and we'll we'll be led to the table we're going to have a, a a reading a prayerful reading of a of a prayer as well, but I want to read for you this this verse I, I just thought it was really beautiful this week in thinking about giving and it says it's psalm one two one hundred and twelve verses five through six and it says Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. surely the righteous will never be shaken they will be remembered forever generous people like what is being given what we receive from God and goes out from us like there's it's a legend like there they will be remembered forever because of their generosity on this earth I invite you this morning to stand with me we're gonna pray a prayer and then we're gonna we're gonna say a prayer together the the uh, it's a confession of, of sin but Lord, we come to you now, Lord, standing, Lord, repenting of, of ways in which I know I and we all are guilty of selfishness and greed and being called into your likeness to be givers. Lord, you've given us so much Though we are about to take communion where we remember that you gave your life for us, your body broken, your blood shed for us. And so, Lord, we praise you. We worship your holy name. Amen.